Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing even as oil falls by more than 4%. West Texas Intermediate Crude now tumbling 4.8%, down 232. It is below $46 a barrel. WTI now at 45.89. Brent crude down 3.7%. Banks are advancing. We've got the 10-year down 9.30 seconds. Yield 2.18%. Gold down 9.30 the ounce to 12.88. Down seven tenths of one percent. S&P up four to 24.33. That's a gain of two tenths of one percent. The Dow up 44, also a gain of two tenths of one percent. Nasdaq higher by 17, a gain of three tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg business. Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, it's 1148 here in the Bay Area at 248 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Megan McCardle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. When arguing about national health care, those favoring some sort of government-led system always come back to one argument. But everyone loves Medicare, they say. If Medicare is so great, why not expand it to everyone? Indeed, Alan Grayson, a Democratic congressman from Florida, recently introduced a bill that would allow people of any age to buy into the program. And what's wrong with that? After all, if people buy in, it won't cost the government a dime, right? Well, maybe. For one thing, if Medicare buy-in is voluntary, the program could end up with the same problems that have dogged the Obamacare exchanges. Only sick people buy. That would spike premiums and demand for a government bailout. But the effect on hospitals might be an even bigger problem. Medicare pays lower reimbursement than private insurers. If patient loads shift towards Medicare, that will put a lot of pressure on hospital budgets. Those hospitals might be able to cut costs, but maybe not without patient care suffering. And then again, they simply might not be able to, in which case they'll turn to the government for a bailout. Suddenly, the free and easy program looks like neither. I'm Megan McCardle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more commentary, go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg, your commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, also at 548, 840, 1148 Wall Street time. I'm not quite sure why our producer's playing this song, but I sometimes wonder if we're going to wake up from a dream and <laughs> things will be different. I say that with much love. Um, you won't see the Bloomberg Markets. We are covering the Bloomberg Invest. Sorry, you woke up and you're still working with me. <laughs> that is so true. No. Covering coverage of the Bloomberg Invest New York Conference on Bloomberg Radio brought to you by SEI. I adore my co-host, Corey Johnson, and together we are Bloomberg Markets. Um, I want to bring in our next guest who says he has benefited from owning some consumer discretionary names, also some bellwether tech. Is that still the investment play? Let's ask Jeff Crumpleman. He's Chief Investment Officer at Riverpoint Capital Management, based in uh, Cincinnati, but uh, at our Bloomberg Invest New York Summit today here at Bloomberg Headquarters. Welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. Thanks. Good to hear. You have, um, according to our notes, that you have done well in some of the consumer discretionary space, also bellwether tech. You're talking about some of the big tech names, right, the FANG stocks that we like to talk about. Do you, you still think that they have room to run? We do. We think the fundamentals in the air, this is within consumer discretionary, non-retail oriented, so experience oriented. So the Carnival Cruise Lines, the Marriott's of the world, those types of stocks, home-related, we've done very well. And with the Bellwethers, yes, we own the the Amazon, not the Famazon, (laughs) the Amazon, uh, the Facebooks, the Googles. uh, We have owned them for some time. 
Are you staying in them because you're afraid to get out too early? Or are you staying in because you believe in the conviction of their story? We're staying because we believe in the conviction of the story, but we think the upside now where we thought it was significant you know, 10 to 20% upside is still attractive in this market. We think you have that type of upside. But before, we were looking at, you know, 25% plus upside, we felt, in all those stocks. We're in Amazon at 445. So at this point, you're yeah. looking to maybe with those oversized positions now, trim back on those. But for the new investor, you could, uh, you know, put it in a smaller position purchase for, for them. Um, but we've also owned some other less on the radar screen type of technology names as well, and consumer names as well, and uh, find opportunity. And we keep looking uh, through our research for those that have greater upside. So they're 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 out there. Um, talk to me about your screening process. How do you start, start to look for these names? What things will turn you off about a stock that uh, other people might love? So we buy three types of stocks. We buy consistent growers. And those are ones that are not going to excite very many people. Growing what? They're growing uh, market-like. Profits, free cash flow. What metric are they growing? Both. We look for consistent earnings, dividend, and cash flow growth. So Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, the the more boring, low beta stocks. But we think you need to marry that with two other types of stocks. Cyclical growers, and there we're looking for stocks that have a price-to-earnings discount of 20% or more to the S&P 500. So cheap. Margin of error, you need cushion to buy more cyclical stocks like industrials, financials, uh, consumer uh, discretionary, the more cyclical areas. And then you also want to own high growth. You want to own the, the Amazons, the Facebooks, those that are growing 2x that, the rate of the S&P 500. And that's our requirement. We're looking for stocks with projected earnings growth in that high growth area, two times that of the market. And we want to buy them at reasonable valuation. You still consider it reasonable valuation for some of those names? Oh, absolutely. You have stocks. One of them that... Uh, but I mean like your Facebooks and your Amazon, do you still consider that reasonable valuation? They were extremely cheap. They were they were trading at less than their growth rate. They, Face, were, they, they were. Now they're now they're trading at their growth rate. Yeah. So Procter & Gamble's trading at 22 times with a 7% growth rate. Riddle me this. Would you rather own something that's growing 25% plus with a 25 multiple? Or something with a 22 multiple and a 7% growth rate. That's the way we look at it. Right. They're just different animals and know what you're owning and what you're looking for. Safety versus offense. And in our portfolio, we want to have an all-weather approach. We want to outperform, but we want to do it in a more consistent fashion. So we've got offense and we've got defense. What's your defensive plays then? So it would be some of the more staples-oriented okay. names. Like the J&J? Like the J&Js, the Proctors. We own some General Mills. Um, you could argue that some of the uh, the stocks like a striker within healthcare, United mm-hmm. Healthcare, they would be more defensive. Yes, and big cap, big cap, big cap, big cap. Sounds like. Well, uh, I, no, we also think that you should blend in. You know, the three stocks that I would kind of highlight today that we think are very attractive: Las Vegas Sands within consumer discretionary. That's a gaming and lodging stock. One that's off the radar that we think um, sells into and supplies things like Facebook and Amazon and Google uh, would be Broadcom, the ticker AVGO on that. Wonderful growth stock, 17 times with a 17% growth rate off the radar, and yet they benefit from the same growth trends in those areas like these stocks we're mentioning with uh, cloud computing and Internet-oriented 
uh, purchases, and a lot of growth managers yeah. didn't own it. That's and a nice it's, and it's still it's it's gone nearly doubled in the last year, and it's still trading a one-time peg. I mean, it seems like that peg ratio is, is the, the key driver for you. It's absolutely important, and, and you know the nice thing is that we were buying it in the one sixties, uh, and you know now it's darn near, there. You go. So and and yet, and what we saw was people were very pessimistic that uh, you know because they had uh, you had the Avago merger, mm-hmm. you had the brocade transaction. Folks were saying there's no organic growth. It's all about acquisition, and that just was not true. When you really Look underneath the stones, you can see that there's great organic growth, and these acquisitions uh, lead to cost cuts and synergies. And so you've outsized cash flow growth here. They hiked the dividend 100% in 2016. They hiked the dividend there. They will this year about 65%. Right. That's a wonderful signal. Mellanox, 20 seconds. That is a $2.3 billion market cap company, and we always want to have one or two in the portfolio where small successes lead to outsized home run type gains, and they are leveraged to the hype, uh, hyperscale data cloud computing segment. All right, we got to leave it on that note. Nice to be back with us. Thanks. Safe Great travels back home. Thanks. Jeff Crumpleman, Chief Investment Officer at Riverpoint Capital Management, based in Cincinnati, as I mentioned, at our Bloomberg Invest New York Summit here at Bloomberg Headquarters. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. And check on today's trading session in just a moment right here on Bloomberg. Bloomberg.